Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up? A mental health podcast by the depressed, for the depressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Lindsay. And the first question I want to ask is, Lindsay, how are you holding up? Um, I always feel like this question catches me off guard, even though I know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to say this, isn't this, and then, and then it happens. Um, it's been a week of ups and downs for me, but I would like to say that through it, I have worked on my self-worth feeling. So at a base level, feeling like I'm worth good things. So even if bad things are happening, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I'm okay. Yes. The world the world is on fire around us, but This is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are dogs in a coffee shop burning down slowly around us. <laughs> My job is a little bit all over the place and I don't have hours. I don't give an hours at the end of each week or the beginning of each week, I mm-hmm. guess. So I don't really know when I'm coming in. I can get a message the morning of saying, hey, by the way, we don't need you today. Or, Mm. hey, we're going to need you today. And then I won't know. I could be there for two hours. I could be there for 12 hours. Right. So um, that can be a little bit stressful. And it's hard for me if I'm going through something personally emotional Mm -hmm. to not have a solid place to go and work and not think about my emotional stuff. Yeah, because you also kind of work from home some of the times. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. So having, so having, being able to go away from all of that is really nice. But, Chris, how are you holding up? I'm, I'm in a strangely good place. Um, <laughs> I say strangely because I'm just, I'm, I'm not used to that feeling after a while. Um, been talking with people that I had lost communication with. For a number of years uh, and it's really nice to kind of just make those reconnections uh, especially when circumstances that led to the separation in the first place were utter bullshit so so finally getting some some like some reconnections some closure on a bunch of stuff that you're like I thought you hated me oh you didn't I you didn't hate me oh my god that makes my life so much better that's such a relief Honestly, that's like a weight off your shoulders when you realize everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's it's allowed me to kind of let my uh, my usual demeanor, my my my, I'm not quite so depressed as I may seem, or or actually strike that, reverse it. <laughs> I'm not so happy as I may seem. Uh, my mask, as it were, uh, feel not quite so necessary. Which. Good. Which leads us to our topic this week. <laughs> Today we're talking about what is normal and the masks that we wear. Um, whether you're depressed or not, I think masks are worn, but yeah. specifically when you're depressed, what you have to do. It's kind of a, a, a juggling act uh, to really get that that level of, I'm happy. Don't Can't you see how <laughs> fucking happy I am? Coupled with the actual like internal struggle that you're going through. Definitely. There's a... There's a bizarre balance that you have to do naturally. Mm-hmm. But first of all, I think we should discuss what is normal or defining normal. Yeah, let's get perfectly <laughs> clear real quick. Um, this is a topic that I'm absolutely fascinated with. And I I am fascinated with it for a specific reason. I fucking hate normal. <laughs> like, I hate the idea, the, of, the idea of normal. I am personally a little offended when somebody says, I just want to be normal. 
I feel like that negates individuality. I feel it embraces this kind of conformist attitude that no matter what, that, that we shouldn't embrace the things that make us different or unique. And that's kind of where I've come from in that end. And I know that's not what everybody means when they say, I just want to be normal or, you know, they want to, or they want to feel normal or something like that. I know that's not what they're saying. I've said it. I've said, I just want to be normal. Yeah. I, I think the idea is behind it. And and, and I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to say it. Yeah. It's a good point to make that everybody, there isn't, normalcy is not, it's not real. No, not <laughs> even close. Everybody has something. Everybody. Yeah. Um, I think when somebody says that, it's just from a place of desperation. Mm-hmm. Of just desperately not wanting to feel so cut off. Mm-hmm. From being either part of the yeah you know human human normal I don't know connection I guess yeah sure of course I I can understand the the desire the and of it, yeah. yeah the need the desperation when mm-hmm. you're when you're so tired of being sick and tired that you just you just want something a baseline right I think that's more like what people are looking for when they want to be normal is like I don't want these peaks these valleys yeah. They want to have normal problems, mm-hmm. normal frustrations, not ones that are just, they feel like life threatening almost, you yeah. know, or just, they're just the end of the world feeling. So one of the interesting questions that you and I have discussed is, um, well, first of all, we haven't discussed what is normal. I don't think there is a normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, but for, for this reference, I think normal would be somebody who doesn't have to deal with the peaks and valleys that you're, that you're mm-hmm. saying. Somebody that can kind of get into the rhythm of the world and, yes, sure, be, be frustrated with their job or have frustrations in their relationships and have problems, but they can rely on their inner self and equilibrium. Yes, I would agree completely okay. with that definition of normal. Because for me, I think that normal is so utterly subjective on an yeah. individual scale that when there's a sort of like societal norm mm-hmm. that comes in contrast with an individual norm, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's not an easy thing to define. I think we all have a social antenna that yeah. allows us to know when someone is deviating from it. Sure. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's, so, but that's what comes yeah. to our next question is, um, do we define normal as a society or as individuals? And I think it's both. I think it is both, yeah. Because societal norms, like, there are some, of course, that, you know, we typically adhere to. Right. Behaviorally. Mm-hmm. We, we will adhere to a societal norm of we all wear pants when we right. go out. Or a dress or underwear. And whatever. certain behaviors that you do at a coffee shop, you know, mm-hmm. you wait in line. Cutting in front of the entire line, that's... That's against the societal norm. Right. And rude as fuck. Right. Singing in line. Singing in line. Most people don't would either. You never know how somebody will react. Yeah. In those situations. I think I've been, yeah, we've both been on some form of public transit where there's just somebody who's like listening to headphones, but yeah. they're singing yeah. aloud to and whatever they're listening to. You know, I, I waffle between being super annoyed by that person and then also being good for you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Good no. for you, man. I get Hell the yeah. same. Down with the man. Do what you want. Yeah. Live your best life. And that, I feel, is the individual 
norm. Yes. Yeah. Like breaking through. We're like, we, you know, we were theater kids. Our norm is, you know, Not, different from, you yes. know, a football kid or a band kid or, mm. and I mean, well, I mean, you were also kind of a band kid for yes. a bit there. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're two different worlds. Yeah. They're the smaller social rings and microcosms. Yeah. Yeah. Behavioral microcosms. But I think when we do the uh, definition as an individual and you're depressed, mm -hmm. then there's this film over it and the standard is impossibly high. Yes. And that's where it's like, is normal toxic? Yes. And I think we need to make a clear distinction here. Saying normal is toxic comes from a place of forcing one's norm onto somebody else's. Like, say, I just want you to be normal. Mm -hmm. Saying that phrase or or something that's forcing your idea of what normal should be on someone else. It's it, it's almost abhorrent. to But me. the I think the debate in that is what if somebody else's normal is I want to eat people, you know, <laughs> or I want to self-harm every day or you know, that's the, that's where it's like, but I know what you're saying. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to this podcast has enough common sense to understand mm -hmm. what we're trying to say. Also just saying we're not professionals. We're not therapists. This is just a conversation. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> you guys know the drill by now. And we're not saying that we're right or wrong. I don't really know the answer to these things. I don't think anybody has a, mm -hmm. this is the way it should be. No. And I kind of would be suspect of yeah. somebody who did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? It just... It's such a weird thing to me. Like, the idea of there existing a universal normal. Yes. I don't want to go into that kind of a world. I think traveling helps you realize what normal... That normal is societal. So, for example... Um, this is a fun story. I have family in Chile, mm -hmm. and down there, it is just really normal for people to come up and touch your baby. It can be a man who looks homeless. It can be a bunch of women, and they, they just come over, and they want to touch your child. They interact with the child. They might not even look at you, the adult, and it's just normal, and people don't feel nervous for their kid. They don't... It's It's the first time this happened when I was at a park with my nephew, I was like, what is this strange man doing coming over and touching the cheeks of my nephew? He's three years old. Like, who is this older, weird man? Yeah. My sister's like, oh, that's just normal here. Or here in the States, we tried to give people almost this kind of privacy so they're not embarrassed by things. Like, if someone falls down, normally people won't go over and help them up. They won't right. make a big deal of it. If it's a really bad fall, maybe somebody will go over. Sure. In... Chile, somebody falls, like everybody comes over. Oh my god, are you okay? Here I have bandages. Everybody. I mean, everyone is in your business. Mm -hmm. They'll come up and tell you how to raise your child. Your child doesn't have enough jackets on. Well, it's 80 degrees. I don't think they need jackets, <laughs> but they wrap up their kids. So, those are just some examples of culturally, we just have such different norms. Yeah. Um, so, when I hear something like, God, you're so weird. Mm. <laughs> so, so so this phrase in particular i think i know that we we've got a few like middle and high school listeners out there 
which Mm -hmm. thank you also for listening. Sorry, we say swears. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they hear way far. You're probably. Yeah, seriously. Right. You're going to hear that phrase probably more than anybody in their adulthood. Because how often as an adult do you get told you're so weird? I think you get told that more as a compliment as an adult. As a, yeah. You're so weird, you know? Yeah. Oh, you're so weird. Like I it's, love it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it comes as a positive. Yeah. But when it when you're told that, I was told that a lot when I was in middle school, uh, specifically by, like, other kids in my grade or kids... Paint in, a oh. picture of what you were doing in middle school, too. Oh, well, <laughs> to be fair... <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, it started in sixth grade because I was a kid who came to school in button-up shirts. I wore slacks. I didn't wear jeans. I was interested in learning. I actually kind of cared about what was going on with the teacher because I knew they had a job to do and that job entailed teaching us. I didn't want to be disruptive or anything. But I also loved weird shit. Like, I was very into, I you know what? It wasn't even weird shit. It was alternative shit. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Like, I was into, uh, you know, I, I wasn't even really into anime. I was into, like, at the time, like, comic books, which were weird back then. Now it's kind of cool, mm-hmm. I guess. It's, it's interesting being a nerd back then. Mm-hmm. But... I, I think the the thing that, like, Robin Williams. I was very into Robin Williams mm-hmm. when I was at that age to the point where I would, like, do impressions. I would do all sorts of, like, little voices and, like, kind of performancey shit. And as a result, I got labeled as one of the weird kids. I also wore a lot of black. I let my hair grow long after a while. I went from looking like fucking Mr. Rogers to looking like Andrew W.K. <laughs> In, like, a matter of... Two or three years, which I have to say, looking at those class photos is the funniest transition (laughs) on the face of the fucking planet. So being called weird, though, over and over again, that probably started to mold how you saw yourself at that young, impressionable impressionable Mm -hmm. age. I took it back then uh, in stride. That's good. I, I didn't like necessarily being kind of called weird as a derogatory term Mm -hmm. but i i wore weird as a badge i wore it as a as a symbol of honor in my brain of just like yeah i'm the fucking weird kid what you gonna do about it now when i got called weird i think everybody does sure um because i was in so much discomfort with being alive at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> and by discomfort I just mean like you know when you're a teenager and you're just uncomfortable with your body and mm-hmm. everything just feels so raw mm-hmm. being called weird was like a slap in the face for me because I'm trying so hard and it's just not enough and I'm already in pain because of life mm-hmm. it's um it is rough so yeah the whole um you're so weird like fuck you man yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it kind of depends on the person and i it's funny i never really thought about like i mean obviously as a dude (laughs) like i i never thought of how damaging being called weird is i can be i think being called anything that's out of the norm 
mm-hmm. can be because it's basically just bashing and why bashing somebody for being different is a thing i don't know but we all do it i think as kids you see it it's in all it's in all groups oh yeah but um so what we want to talk about is the masks that you have to put on uh, in order to go through life and in order to also protect i think the people around you because you know there's times in your life where you have to be happy and engaged and there and i actually want to share a story with you please um i wrote a very long <laughs> note in facebook back when they had notes and it was in december 2013 mm-hmm. and it was at 1:51 a.m. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a long thing. But it's basically, this was a time when my sister had had her first child. And uh, we were all up there visiting. And it was this wonderful time where, you know, you get to hold the new baby and be in this new place. And with those farmer markets. And it's so fun and lovely and board games and music and happy times. And I was depressed. So I wrote this. Um, I have been living with severe depression for most of my teenage and adult life. Depression is tricky, and it comes with varying degrees and time spans depending on the individual and circumstance. I've been diagnosed by several different doctors. I've tried antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, diet changes, daily exercise, meditation, prayer, and therapy. I came to a point where I realized this would be something I was going to battle, and it is a battle for the rest of my life. I don't want to be medicated to just feel okay. However, it has so many strange side effects. It's difficult for me to concentrate. I'm accompanied by a feeling of worthlessness and guilt, emptiness and fatigue. It is so frustrating to be surrounded by loving people in a happy time and feel nothing but slight aggravation and listlessness. To literally be unable to enjoy something you logically know you should be able to, is infuriating and scary. It's hard for me to get enough energy to shower and throw something decent on, let alone date, pick up hobbies, or follow my passions. When you lose the ability to enjoy life, you lose hope. When you cannot feel hopeful, it's bad. Self-loathing is inevitable. I can't help but feel it's a weakness and that I should be living life to the fullest. I'm beautiful, smart, creative, and I have a fantastic people in my life. That's where the guilt comes in. The guilt that I am unable to truly enjoy people's company. The guilt that I should be, by all reasoning, happy and successful. It goes on from there. But I think that was a time when I felt like I had to put on a mask. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting for me to read this because it reminded me, I've, I've forgotten what that guilt feels like. Mm. Being guilted into feeling like you have to be normal. And I'm thankful because actually my sister has gone through depression. And so I was able to open up to her about it during that time I was there. That's such a huge relief, I'm sure. It was. It was. It is a relief being able to say, you know what, this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel. I'm so sorry. I don't want to make this about me, but I can't engage with you guys the way that I want to. Yeah. I can wholeheartedly relate. Uh, makes me makes me curious do you remember the first time because i mean we all like you said we all have masks that we wear Mm -hmm. do you remember the first time that you fully embraced your mask like it was a second skin where you basically lived in your mask so long that 
you kind of couldn't tell what was the mask and what was really you. I think college, and I don't know if it was necessarily a mask, more than a disappearing of myself and disassociating all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would engage with people and I'd go to parties and I was in theater and then I actually started having problems in school and I just kept pretending like everything was fine and I stopped going to school, kept living in my apartment and I gamed a lot too much. I just, (laughs) instead of dealing with life, I would play video games. I think it was left for dead, but I kept pretending with my family that everything was fine. Everything was going great. I went so far as to Photoshop my grades so they didn't know how bad it was. And I just wouldn't let myself fall into the absolute pit of despair um, with myself because I was pretending so much. I guess that's what you mean, right? That the yeah. mask, you know? Yeah. So, like, people who lived with me saw. Sure. But I think when I went out and stuff, you know, people couldn't have known Mm -hmm. i I think that's such an interesting thing to think about when you when you when you do disassociate because that's really what to a degree the mask is yeah it's disassociation you're you're not letting your your true self come to the surface you're you're presenting this this form this featureless mask i felt like a non-person you felt empty yeah And I just felt like I needed intake, like I needed to watch stuff constantly or be playing video games constantly or be reading to sit with myself or to be honest with the people around me about, hey, I'm not doing well or, hey, there's something wrong. It was like it was unimaginable. Mm -hmm. For me, it was always a, a, a an aspect of. I called it being a social chameleon. Yeah. Where whatever the the feeling was with the group of friends I was with or whatever energy level was there, I was there matching it Mm -hmm. note for note, Mm -hmm. beat for beat. Mm -hmm. And that was all I could do because the alternative was falling apart in front of a group of people. And I couldn't do that. I, I, I refused. There was literally one time I think in my entire life that I let myself fall apart in front of people. And it was there and gone just as quickly Mm -hmm. because it was a moment it was a moment of just sheer emotional overpowering bullshit that just finally broke me in front of like two (sighs) this is the thing about that particular incident um i don't remember what triggered it all i remember was i was sitting in a car with my one of my longest held friends and the girl I was in love with mm-hmm. and just, just the three of us. And we were sitting in my car and something triggered it. We were talking somewhere, something, and I just broke down sobbing just completely, just all the fucking secure, all the little guards, all the walls, all the security gates that I had set up mentally in my brain finally all failed synchronized with each other to the point where I was broken and I couldn't come back from it. I couldn't just shrug it off and just be like, you know, quick sob and eh, I'm better now. No big deal. Sure. No, this was full breakdown in front of people and I couldn't handle it. I still can't really handle it. What did you do? 
sobbing hysterically, crying, unable to speak. Uh, but then what happened after? Do you after after the after the release, mm-hmm. I took a deep breath, and the mask came back on. Mm-hmm. And that was all that could be done. It was like. And what's the mask for you? Is it just being okay? I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. The mask for me is there's more important things going on. Mm. The mask for me is I don't need to discuss what's wrong with me mm-hmm. because what's wrong with me pales in comparison to what's wrong with you or what's wrong with the world. Or That's a really good point. I think everybody who's depressed feels that. it's There's nothing so bad in my... No, not everybody, but there's mm-hmm. nothing so bad in my life that I should be feeling this dead mm-hmm. or this bad or this disconnected. What is wrong with me? It's the guilt that reinforces the mask. Mm-hmm. It, it, you, you, you've sat there defining what you feel should be normal or what should be you know the the line in which your depression is worth it right and and you finally kind of you might tiptoe that line where it's like yeah my depression is valid Mm -hmm. or my depression is something that you know i could learn from and evolve from but for the most part we are like we're feeling so shitty, so bad, so down that there's no reason for it. Yeah. We beat ourselves up. Yeah. I think I think and I think we have to to a certain degree have the mask for certain things. For example, work. Yeah. You have to keep working. Mm-hmm. And even if you're depressed, even if you're going through something, even if you're, okay, even if you don't have depression and you're going through a divorce or, oh, yeah. you know, you've lost your home to a fire or something, even just awful as, you know, your dog passing, you still have to go and still have to do your duty. And I think the thing with depression is you can't just go into work and be like, yeah, guys, you know, gosh, I'm just so depressed. And everyone's like, oh, man, that sucks. Because if, hey, your house burns down, everyone's like, man, I am so, so, like, you have a point in time that something bad happened that is normally, everybody can see that, that's bad. But depression, Mm -hmm. unless you have a close friend working with you at work, you don't, you can't, you can't go in and be like, wow, I just feel really down and I'm just depressed because everyone's like, well, it's work, you shouldn't be, you know, it's. You know what the best mask is? Mm. I'm just tired. Yes. That's good. That's a good point. I've said that all a lot. I'm not, I'm not, de- no, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm you know, fine. I'm doing, I'm fine. I'm just tired. I, I had a rough night's sleep last night. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's no big deal. That is the best mask of all. Yeah. Because it doesn't require further investigation. It doesn't require explanation. You're tired. Yeah. <laughs> what more is there to say? Yeah. There, and so I think, yeah, at the workplace, that's like the most cold you have to be in some way not cold but disconnected with what's mm -hmm. going on with you that's the workplace sucks (laughs) i think it's the workplace and i think it's also family i i think that depends on the family and it depends on the person true true for example my family i can be open with at least some of them Mm -hmm. um but yeah with like big family events and gatherings or thanksgiving you're not going to go and be like i'm so fucking depressed (laughs) you know like what are you going to say like hey guys like this this turkey tastes like ash in my mouth and i don't feel like i love any of you I think I just want to die right now. Yeah, I, I, there's literally no point in living. I will never be happy. I have no hope. No, you're not going to do that. Everyone's sitting around talking about how they're thankful. You know, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? No, it's it sucks. And this is why you have to have humor because it's so awful. 
<laughs> you you hit a point where like you, you kind of look at yourself and you just go, okay, this is how I'm going to present myself. Yeah, I'm going to to I'm going to give everybody the impression that you know I'm just fine. I think you know this is a interesting this is something I just thought of. It's mm. almost like you're perpetually going to a funeral and everyone else around you doesn't realize it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and you said pretend like that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're going to a funeral while everybody else is going to an Irish wake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's it's a bummer. Um, and <laughs> with friends, I think I have the fear that I'm going to scare people away. Oh, totally. Because they can not want to deal with it. And actually, I've had people not want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always been the matter of I'm scared that... Uh, yeah, they, they, they don't want to deal with it. But it's also a matter of that thing I mentioned earlier where I don't feel that whatever I'm going through is worse than whatever they're going through. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to sit in there. I want to sit there and just go, yeah, this is the shit that I'm dealing with. And I mean, you know, thanks for listening. But, you know. And to a certain extent, I think talking about it only goes so far because if you are chemically imbalanced almost talking about it over and over again can almost make you feel worse. Yeah, and it makes you pull the mask on tighter. Yeah, so I think in some ways just being able to say, hey, like, I am going through depression, and them understanding that is huge, but I don't think most, this is the problem, most people don't know what depression means for other people, and they can't be empathetic or sympathetic even. Mm -mm. And to be fair, us of us who are, those of us who are depressed we don't really know what it always means either, or if we even are. You Google depression, and it's every website has something different. 12 mm-hmm. different kinds of depression. Yeah. Six different kinds of depression. You know, I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, let's see. Well, just the, just going to the... Google it? For yeah, just thing? real quick. Just just a real quick search of what is depression. <laughs> Here's your ASMR sequence. Uh, yeah, you get, a, you get a single, you get a one, the, the APA, giving their definition which is pretty much the best you can get you get webmd you get a depression hotline and whatnot but for the most part if you ask for like types of depression you get major depressive disorder you get it's, seasonal affected yeah, disorder knows, it's man. it's it's a menagerie yeah of 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 crazy shit yeah that you're gonna have to just sort of sort out for yourself unless you're getting help from a professional which frankly if you're feeling this way, there's nothing wrong with that at all. If you are going through this right now, we are sorry. Yeah. We've both gone through it and um, it's just something that you have to do, I think, in a certain way. And it's it sucks. And I'm not going to say it gets better or worse, but we're thinking of you and we totally empathize. Yeah, whatever it is that you're going through, you know the old saying, if you're... If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way out, man. But I was—I I have been tasked to uh, read a uh, very specific tweet. Uh, the this uh, gentleman on Twitter, uh, Chuck Wendig, has tweeted something that has gone viral, and I have been tasked by my friends Nicole and Summer and Karina, basically, to read this aloud. So Tuesday. The day you realize that nothing can stop you because you are a magic skeleton packed with meat and animated with electricity and imagination. 
You have a cave in your face full of sharp bones and five tentacles at the end of each arm. You can do anything, magic skeleton. You are all magic skeletons. Okay, magic skeletons, we hope you have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Follow us on the Instagram. Uh, on the Instagram. Jesus, what am I, 80? <laughs> at Hey Who Podcast. Like the Facebook page. And if you want to send us something directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com. We love hearing from you. We love your feedback. It's so much fun for us. Yeah, it absolutely is amazing. Like, I love... Uh, every time, to- Every week from now on, by the way, we're going to have a How Are You Holding Up post on our Instagram that you can respond to. And, of course, we'll post the responses with a response of our own. Unless it's private, in which case we will not. In which case you will be respected of your privacy. (laughs) Oh, and one more shout out uh, this week to our friend, uh, New Vagabond, who has started getting her YouTube channel really going. She did a mission statement. She does a a vlog of uh, chronic illness and mental health and whatnot. So it's a fantastic watch. Please go check her out. The link is in the show notes. She's amazing. And as always, don't Don't tell tell us us to just get get over it. it. Bye, skeletons.